Welcome to the watermarkoc.church podcast. Thank you for listening. Well, it's the most wonderful time of the year. At least that's what the song says, right? <laughs> and and it, it looks a little bit like Christmas. It doesn't feel so much because it's about 85 degrees, but the lights are up, right? And, and the people are hustling and bustling. The malls are getting full. People are clicking and purchasing and buying. Amazon's running all over the place delivering packages. And it's, it's going fast. And just as the culture says it's the most wonderful time of the year, then why at Christmas time, even when there's wonder, why, why do we experience so much darkness? You ever wonder that? I mean, gosh, you know, we look on TV, we hear these songs, and there's all these lights and all the malls and all the things, and yet, you know, you can't help but think about all the darkness in our world, uh, the, the division between nations and potential war. <laughs> The darkness that's in our own government, right? Every week there's a scandal. Every week there's a fresh <laughs> meaning of darkness, right? And the division within our government. And the darkness that spills out into our neighborhoods. The homelessness. Uh, the people that we drive by on our streets as we go to purchase and wrap. Uh, the despair of addiction. Even in our family systems, there's dysfunction and hurt and pain and suffering <laughs> throughout our land. Why in the middle of this time where we sing for joy and all this stuff is there so much darkness? That's why I love this fresh perspective of John. Because John realizes that at Christmas time, there was darkness. There is darkness at this time. But the great hope of his prologue as he introduces the hope of Christmas, the fresh perspective, is that into the darkness of the world... God sent a great light. And that is what gives us perspective, hope, and meaning at Christmas time. And so John wants us to understand that this prologue is an amazing, fresh perspective of Christmas. John is a friend of Jesus, he's part of his inner circle, his 12 disciples. He was one of the inner three that Jesus hung out with the most, that Jesus connected with, that Jesus had a heart connection with deeply. And John even coined himself as the one who Jesus, the disciple whom Jesus loved. <laughs> we have John depicted many times as they were having a meal together. John would lean in onto Jesus' side and lean into him. They, 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 were, they were a brotherhood. They were deep, but they were close. And who better to share this perspective on his best friend, a fresh perspective, then John, and John doesn't talk about the how of Christmas. You, when you heard Max say that, you didn't hear about shepherds. You didn't hear about angels. There wasn't a manger described. Uh, there were no wise men. John goes way high. He goes beyond the how of Christmas, and he goes into the why of Christmas. The theological why. Why did Christmas happen? Why did this light come into the darkness? And John gives us a fresh perspective because he focuses on the why. His whole gospel is about that why versus actually the how. And he frames Christmas, the Christmas story that we're so traditionally uh, think of when we hear of Christmas and the nativity. He frames that in light of the creation the bigger story, the backstory of Christmas, the creation event, and what happened, and why did that happen, and how does that connect with the coming of light at Christmas time? John 
you know, sores. And in the, in the first century and, and beyond, when churches were built and stained glass windows were put up, they would, they would choose symbols to represent themes and spiritual truths. And the symbol for the Gospel of John is an eagle. You would see an eagle on a stained glass and you would know that was referring to John because John's gospel soars higher than the other gospels. You get a helicopter view of what happens at Christmas time. And you know what they say is, uh, as I've researched this, eagles are the only birds that fly directly into the sun. They can open their eyes and fly right into the sun and face the glory of the sun. And John takes us in this opening prologue, and helps us to face the glory of the sun, this beauty and wonder of God's divine son. Because John is saying Jesus is the reason. He is the divine son of God. He's not just the reason for the season, right? At Christmas time, we sing carols, we get out nativities, we put this little baby in a manger, and we have these presents, and then we put it all back in a box, right? Jesus goes back in a box until the next Christmas. He's not just a celebrity at Christmas time that we sing about with Frosty the Snowman and Santa Claus. He's not the reason for the season, John would say. He's the reason for life. He is the reason for life. He is the divine ordering principle of life. And John proclaims that, and that's something that we need to remember. That brings us light and life at Christmas time. And so John says, Jesus came to bring light into the darkness because he is God's creative light. He's God's creative light. He's not just the reason for the season, he's the reason for life. And John introduces us this amazing term in the Greek. It's called logos or logos. Anybody heard that term? And that is the word that's translated word here. In the beginning was the logos. And the logos was God. And the logos was, excuse me, the logos was with God. And the logos was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing has was made, that has been made, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. You see, for us, Logos, what does that mean? But in the first century world, as John wrote this, he put that there intentionally because he knew of the philosophical debate that was happening in the world around him. Greek philosophers, right? The Greek pantheon, all the mythology had fallen apart and philosophy was the order of the day when John wrote this and the Greek philosophers were discussing logos. Logos comes from, we get logic from it. Rationale, meaning, what is the rationale for life? What is the meaning of life? What is the purpose of life? This was the the great debate. And the philosopher said, we're going to discover this and find this wisdom of what is the ultimate meaning of life. The only problem is they couldn't agree upon it. Sounds like us today, right? (laughs) They couldn't agree upon what the purpose of life was, so they fractured into subgroups. And so you have schools of philosophy that have their own logos, their own reason for being. And guess what the Epicureans said? The reason for life, and we like this, right? The hedonist, pleasure, man. It's pleasure. Pleasure is the logos for life. Get all you can, pursue it, 
Have all you want. And that philosophy is alive and well in Orange County, right? Pleasure. Live for seeking pleasure at the cost of anything else. Then there were the other side of the spectrum, the Stoics. The Stoics were moderation, virtue, hard work. That's the meaning of life. And so because they couldn't agree on an overarching meaning, they said there's really no overarching meaning. We all have to manufacture and find meaning on our own. And in the middle of that, John writes and says, I found it. I found the Logos. It's not a philosophy of man. It's not a group of scientific principles that order the world around. It's not a world of forms, right? It's not that. The Logos is a person. It's not a philosophy. It's not a principle. It's a person. And I met him and I touched him. I know him. I'm friends with him. And he's Jesus. Jesus is the Logos. Jesus is the reason, not just for the season, but the reason for life. Why? Because he's God's preexistent word. Right? Jesus is divine. He's not just a baby in a manger. He preexisted all creation. Before anything that was created was created, he was there. He is the preexistent eternal word of God. Right? He's divine. The logos of the world today, scientific naturalism, says the logos of your life is survival. That's why you're here. You're here to consume and purchase and, and make and compete and win and it's survival of the fittest. That is the logos of your life because logos is blind, it's impersonal, it's cold, and it's indifferent. Because there is no center. It's all random chance accident. And the reason you guys are here is a random chance accident and your logos is to survive. That's the scientific naturalistic story. And John would say, no, 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 no. (laughs) You are not random chance. You were created by a personal divine being that thought of you before the creation of the world. His name is Jesus. He's the preexistent word. He's the preeminent word. That means he's the architect. He's the author. He's the designer of the system. He knows exactly what you were formed for. He knows exactly what your function is because he's the preeminent one in all of creation. Why are we here? Is it a random chance accident that the earth is in the right orbit from the sun? That we have the right elements in our environment for life to flourish in our solar system? Is that just a random chance accident? Or was this planet designed for flourishing and for a purpose in human life? And so the, the right orbit around the sun allows us to have life. We're not the center. Earth is not the center. The sun is the center of our solar system, right? And John is saying, you're not the center, Life doesn't orbit around you. Life orbits around God. And the sun is the center. We were made to orbit around God. To receive his sunlight, his glory, and reflect it to others. John is saying there's a purpose behind the whole creation. Your life is meant to orbit around God. (laughs) God's not supposed to orbit around you. He is the preeminent one. He's designed us for a purpose. He's also the purposeful word, the Logos. 
Because when he introduces the word, he says the Logos was God. Yes, okay, I get it. But the Logos was also with God. What? He was God and he's with God? What are you talking about, John? John is introducing the essence of God to us right in here in the opening chapters. You see, as Christians, we're Trinitarian in our theology. We believe that we can hold complex truths at the same time. And this is the mystery of our faith. God's essence is revealed to us. And God is one. Yes, God is one. But God is also three. God is three in one. God is Trinity. God is Father. God is Son. God is Spirit. Three, the three personhood of God. Three personalities, one Godhead. Wrap your brain around that. But this is the revelation Some people say it's confusing, but I believe John is giving us an amazing picture of the Logos, why you were created. Because this term with speaks of relationship. It speaks of covenant. It speaks of community. So before God ever created anything, a mountain, a sea, fish, birds, you, before he created anything, he existed as a community of committed love. The father loves the son. The father gives himself away in love to the son. The father blesses the son. The son blesses the father and loves the father and responds to the father. The son loves the father. The father sends the spirit. The spirit loves and reflects the father and loves the father and blesses the son. This is a dance of covenantal love. The essence of God, the essence center of the universe is not matter, time, energy, or space. Science does not have all the answers. The essence of the universe is not a force, right? Some people in Eastern philosophy believe that God is some force out there. And once we escape this false reality of suffering in our body, we're released and we're like a dewdrop. And we go back to the sea of nothingness and consciousness, John would say, no, 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 God is not an impersonal force. God is not a set of scientific principles. God is a personal being who exists in a community of covenant love. He's a personality, and he loves relationship, and he loves that, and he gives that away because that's his self-giving love. And so out of his covenant love, out of his communal love, came creative love. And God invited a race of beings, you and I, to share in that covenantal love. And it says he made us in his image, male and female. He made us in community to love him, to love one another and reflect his love. That is the divine ordering principle. The logos of your life is not what Christmas says in Orange County. It's not to purchase. It's not to consume primarily. It's not to perform primarily and make money and prove your worth and go out there and do all these things and produce the logos of your life is love. John says that right from the beginning and lets his sword, this is what you were created for. It was love. You were created by love and for love. But what happened? (laughs) Unfortunately, we fell into the dark. Unfortunately, we fell and we got lost in the dark, right? I mean, just think about Christmas time. If you had a friend, like if I had a buddy and say my friend's name was Cooper 
and I wanted to get Cooper a cool Christmas present, an iPhone 8. Uh, Cooper, uh, unfortunately, didn't grow up in America, though. He grew up on a third island somewhere in the Pacific, and he's never seen one of these things before. And I give it to him, I show him, and he thinks it's really cool. He starts doing the games, he figures out how to text. He loves this thing. And then after about four hours, when I visit Cooper, uh, I see him, and the iPhone is on the floor. He's using it as a doorstop. I say, Cooper, what are you talking about? Why would you use this iPhone as a doorstop? That's not what it was created for. That's not what it was designed for. And Cooper would say, well, it's dark. It doesn't work, right? It's, it's, it's useless, right? It's lost its logos. It's not being used for what it was designed for. It has no life. It has no light. And I would say, oh, Cooper, I forgot to give you one thing. This thing has no life without this thing, right? Without a connection to the life source, this has no logos. In spite of how wonderfully it's designed, in spite of how brilliant it is, when this thing is disconnected from the life source, it has no life, it has no light. It is lost in the dark. It's no good but for a doorstop. And unfortunately, that's what we did with our life. That's what we did with our purpose. That's what we did with our logos. This is the verdict, John says. Light has come into the world through the creation. We have light. We have this design. We have this purpose. We have this meaning that comes from God as image bearers. And we have this light from Jesus Christ even in his love, the light that he brought. But people loved darkness instead of the light because their deeds were evil. We disconnected from the life source because we bought this lie that somehow I can create my own logos. I can create my own meaning and my own purpose and I don't need God to do it. I know how to manufacture life. I know the purpose of this and I'll do it very well without you. Thank you, God. My purpose is not to serve God and to know him and love him. My purpose is to serve me. The universe orbits around me. I can become God on my own with my intelligence, with my wisdom, and I can manufacture life on our own. And the Bible says when we did that, when we disconnected from God and his life and his purpose, his logos, we got lost in the dark. And we became darkened in our understanding. Look what it says in Ephesians. They are darkened in their understanding. They are separated, disconnected from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. They don't know their purpose. They don't know why they were created. They don't know the logos that they were made for. And this is due to the fact that their hearts are hardened. They've gone dark on the inside. They've lost their operating system. They've lost all sensitivity to God. They're spiritually dead. They can't respond to him. They can't know him. They don't even see him because they're lost in the dark. They have no spiritual sensitivity or capability of grasping God. They have given themselves, therefore, to a different logos, right? A different ordering principle. Sensuality. Me. My feelings. My desires. What I want. What I need. I'm the center now, and I make decisions. That's my logos. If it feels good, I do it. If it doesn't feel good, I don't. If I like it, I do it. If I don't like it, I don't. If I want it, I do it. If I don't want it, I don't. I become the center. I become the logos. 
the ordering principle is me. And what, uh, what uh, Paul says is that they give themselves over all kinds of sensuality as so to indulge every kind of impurity, right? Because I'm at the center, I do what makes me feel good, and they are full of greed. Greed, I want more. More of this, more of that, I'm greed. And that becomes the ordering and the operating principle of life. Hey, you know what, it's my body, and it's an amazing thing. Uh, This body, and it was designed for intimacy and a beautiful sexuality. It's a gift from God, procreation, pleasure. And God says, I've designed this to be used in covenantal community. That's its highest and best use in a community of committed love between a man and a woman. And that's the beautiful expression where your sexuality will reach its height because it's intimacy. And I create it that way. And what we say is, no, no, thank you very much, but I know my body and it's my body and I can do with, with it what I want. And it's not covenantal, it's consensual. And whoever I want to consent with, I'm going to do it as many times. And then you open up the internet and you look at the stories, and you look at our government, and you look at our leaders, and you look at the classrooms in our world, and our, our kids, and you look at the carnage, and you go to high school, and you try to counsel a teenager, and it's carnage. And you talk to a young man before he gets married, and he's had so many affairs in his mind with pornography, he's devastated, he doesn't even know how to connect. And we think that we can tell God, God, thanks very much, I know the Logos, and all, all we are is dying in the dark. You know, and we see it not just in this area, we see it with money, we see it with greed and money. We don't use money under the logos of loving God and loving people. Money's all about us. We don't use things, and that's the logos. Do I love God and I love people? And when we violate that, we miss the mark of our created being, and the Bible calls that sin. Missing the mark of what you were designed for. To love God and to love people. That is the logos that defines why you were created. And when you live that, what happens to you is you have life. You have life. The good thing is that God did not leave us in that dark place. That's why Christmas is so beautiful and wonderful because at Christmas time, God sent his son to bring us back to the logos, to bring us back to the order, to bring us back to what we were created to be and do. And that's John's whole gospel. Jesus came to overcome the darkness, despair, disconnection, death in our lives. Jesus came. And here's this famous verse that comes out of John. Out of John 1, we get to John 3. And the logos of God is love. He can't leave us lost in the dark. He's a personal loving father. Just like we would go search for our children. We would find them when we bring them home. He comes and searches for us. Through the incarnation of his son Jesus. Taking on love with skin on. Love walks the planets. For God so loved the world. That he gave his one and only son. That whoever would believe in him. Should not perish. But have life. Eternal life. Abundant life. Back in relationship to Logos. For God did not send his son to condemn. Jesus did not come to condemn. The posture of a church is not to condemn the world. We don't stand in judgment of the world. That's the problem that many people have. Why they don't want to come to church. They think we're judgmental. We're homophobic. We're hate-filled. That's not our posture. Our posture is humility. Our posture is, oh, God has forgiven me. 
I'm broken, I'm sinful, I'm no better than you. I just found the goodness of God and the gospel. And so I want to serve you in love and offer that to you. Jesus did not come to condemn. He came to love and to save. He came to shine his life light in the darkness. And I love that. The darkness has not overcome it. It looked like the darkness had overcome it, right? I mean, where did Jesus' love take him? It took him to the darkest place that no one would want to go. This place right here that's venerated with flowers, a cross. In the ancient world, it was the, the worst place of cruel torture, crucifixion. Nobody wanted to go there. And Jesus went there. And on the cross, he took the darkness. He took it on face to face. He took the death that we deserved. He died in our place and offered us life and love. This is the great exchange of God's grace, right? He took the death that we deserve and he said, Father, forgive them because they don't know, they don't understand the Logos. And he forgave us and he gave us love. And that is why he came. And then he went into the ground, right? He died. It was over. But three days later, that's the only reason we're here, is because his light overcame the darkness of death. He blew through the tomb. As the sun rose, he rose from the dead. And the church has proclaimed that for thousands of years, that there is life in Jesus' name because of the logos of his love. Death could not defeat him. He rose from the dead. And as John says in his opening prologue, he becomes God's transforming light to all of us. He is the one that reconnects us, right? He is the life source, right? He said, I'm the vine, you're the branches, right? Reconnect with me, abide with me, stay connected with me, and you will bear fruit that is life, right? He came to do that. And it says, the true light, John says, that was, gives light to everyone, the true logos was coming into the world. He was in the world, though the world was made through him, right? He was the creator. The world did not recognize him because the world is lost in the dark, right? It did not understand. It did not recognize. He came to that which was his own. And if you read the gospel of John, it's this, this battle between darkness and light. And even the Jewish leaders, even those that knew the law, they didn't understand Jesus, they, they had taken the law out of loving God and they'd made the law a way for them to produce the, and manufacture their own righteousness. That was their law, logos. I can manufacture my own righteousness. And that was why the law was never given. And so they were blinded by their own prideful logos. Religion can be so prideful. And so many of us, so many stories, people have been hurt by religion. People in the name of God have abused people and hurt people. And if that's happened to you, I, I'm so sorry. As someone that's involved as a pastor, I'm so sorry for your, your hurt and your pain. Because that is not Jesus. That is not why he came. And that is not the logos of his love. It's for healing and grace and acceptance and mercy. And so Jesus offers that light to everyone. But those that humbly would receive that light, right... And the gospel shows all these beautiful people that, that are lost in the dark, broken because of sexual addiction, broken because of abuse, broken because of abandonment, broken because of uh, religious burnout. They all find this love and this light in Jesus. It's a beautiful story of God's light. And John says, for those who did receive him, to those who believed, 
right? How do we reconnect with the logos of God? How do we reconnect with our creator? How do we know him through Jesus? Do we perform for it? Do we produce for it? Do we make it happen? No, it happens to us when we receive him by faith. When we open our hearts and say, yes, I receive your gift, the gift of your forgiveness and your love, the light of your love at Christmas time. To those who did receive him, he gave them to right to become what? Children of God. Adopted into God's family. God adopts us into his family. He makes us our very children. We're going to talk about, Ben's going to talk about this wonder of adoption next week. But we get to become his family. We get to become his children with all the rights and privileges of what that means. And we are born of God. This is this amazing term that John is going to use to be born again. And born again is not some special cultic term like, oh, those, those people are born again, they must be wacko. People think born again means you're wacko. No, born again is a Christian. All Christians are born again, right? And I'm thankful for that because this amazing thing is a new operating system. God doesn't just change our outside, he changes us from the inside out. We download a new operating system by faith, and now the logos of God's love through the power of his Holy Spirit is the center of our life now. We have this new operating system, we start to reorient ourselves towards God again, like a divine GPS, the Spirit. I'm I'm reorienting myself to God's love again, and now I can love others. Isn't that amazing? The Holy Spirit, God puts that inside of us, and we get a new nature. We're born again, and we're a new creation in Christ. And now we are here to what? What is Christmas really about? Is it to despair because of the darkness? Is it to buy into the culture and try to purchase and buy Christmas and consume Christmas? No, it is to stay in the light and reflect his love. You guys are reflectors in Christ. You're here to reflect his love to the world. And that's what John over and over would encourage the church. You guys are here because God is love and you're born as love. Reflect his love. Love one another. That is the greatest logos for your life. The greatest rationale for your being is love. Here's what he says. Dear friends, in 1 John, his epistle, let us love one another for love comes from God. That's who he is. He's a loving father. He's a community of committed love. Everyone who loves has been born again of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. That's his essence. This is how God showed. He displayed. He put his love on. He put a spotlight on his love among us. He sent his son. We just talked about that. The Logos took on flesh and skin and walked among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the one and only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, right? The Logos walked among us that we might have life through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but he loved us and sent his son as the atoning sacrifice for our sins. In a minute, the worship team is going to come up here. And we're going to share what we call communion. And communion is a covenantal meal. Communion is reconnecting with our logos, right? Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I am the word of life. And when we come to this table and we realize we break this bread and that represents his body that was given for us to atone, right? 
When we take the cup, we remember his blood, which was given to us to atone and cleanse us from sins. And so we celebrate this covenantal meal that he fulfilled when he gave himself away for us. And now this is a Logos meal. This is a connection with the divine orient principle. And we're taking in love from God at this meal. We're remembering that we're his beloved children. Nothing that we earned, nothing that we produced, nothing that we performed. It was a gift. Here I give it to you. Take this in remembrance. It's a love fest to remember what God gave for us and for us to go and give ourselves away for others. And that's why we do communion. That's why we celebrate this light that came into the darkness and we reflect his love. Last weekend, I got a chance to be with a group from our church, and I want to thank all of you folks for sending us with gifts and love. And we went down to Rosarito, Mexico. I think we have a picture of this as we close this. This is the service on the top of a hill. We, we, God blessed us and gave us the ability to purchase a piece of land on the top of a hill. We set up a tent. There was more people at the service than we've ever had before, two, 300 people. And because of your, your prayers and your gifts... We were able to give gifts to children there who wouldn't have Christmas. And they received those gifts, and they were full of joy. And we gave soccer balls and shoes and dolls. We All the little ones. It was a beautiful time. And Pastor Francisco got to say, why are we here? What's the logos? Do we want to steal land from you guys? Do we want to manipulate you guys and control you and you know, judge you because you're not living the life you should live? Is that why we're here? Are we here to take advantage of you? No, we're here because of God's love. We're here because God gave his love to us through Jesus and we just want to serve you with love. And the gospel was preached. 10 to 20 people came to Christ. And that, that's why we're here, to reflect his love. You don't have to just go to Rosarito. In your neighborhood, there's plenty of darkness. There's plenty of suffering. There's shut-ins at Christmas time. There's people that are suffering with diseases. There's a woman from our church that is going to have heart surgery this week and, and she's struggling. She's asking for prayer and, and this church has come around her in a beautiful way and many of you are taking meals, many of you are praying, you're visiting her, your, your logos is love, you're reflecting the love of Christ to her and that's what we want to do as a community, as a church. We want to love one another in such a way that the world looks at us and says, you know what? Those guys really no, God, those guys really understand Jesus because they're not fighting and they're not bitter and they're not hateful and judgmental. They're full of love and they're reflecting that love to the world. Where has God called you this morning to share his light with your neighbors, your friends, in your family system, you know, with people that you're going to see? Where has he called you to reflect that light? This morning we want to receive that love at this table and remember that God gave his son for us and to thank him for that and let that light heal us and shine into us and then go and love one another. Uh, would you bow your heads with me? Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you that into the darkness you sent a great light and that was your son Jesus and, and he was loved with skin on and Jesus, thank you for coming and giving yourself away that we might have life, that we might know love, that we might be reconnected to the Father. And Spirit, thank you for the new nature. Thank you for dwelling inside of us now. I pray that you would use these elements to minister and to feed your people, to heal them, to transform them, to flood them with light so that we might go reflect that light to the world. We thank you for your body and blood. We celebrate you. You are the light of the world. We adore you and we worship you in Jesus' name.
find out more about us, go online to watermarkoc.church. 